Hello, welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and this week I'm joined by a guy I've known since our days at Kailua High School, KHON2 Sports Director Rob DeMello. If there's one thing to know about Rob, it's that he's known for nearly his entire life what he wanted to do for a living. And, well, he's doing it. He's the first to tell you it's because the right things broke right for him at the right time. Others, like me, would say it's because he's relentless and insatiable at what he does. And now, as much as anyone else, he's embedded in the world of 808 sports. Even with sports largely disappearing during the COVID era, it's a busy time for Rob. This week alone, news broke about the Hawaii High School Athletic Association pushing most fall sports, including football, back to 2021. Meanwhile, the University of Hawaii is repeatedly seeing its start to fall football training camp get pushed back. Today, on Friday, it was just announced that's postponed indefinitely. But now, put some shakas up for the guy they call Robbie D. I'm honored and it is a privilege to have on my fellow Kailua High School alumnus, Rob DeMello, a longtime friend of mine to the Court Sense podcast. Robbie D, how's it going, man? All hail to the blue and to the white. <laughs> Thanks for having me, bro. It's so good to be talking to you, man. Hey, and I, I really do appreciate it given that as much as everyone knows that there's no actual sports being played right now, the, the breaking news in the sports realm is kind of coming pretty rapid fire right i mean it's been a big week as far as that that goes man i mean with the the high school sports getting pushed back to the spring a fairly unprecedented turn of events um we've seen you know the question about college sports how much of that college football you know is going to get played it's looking like maybe a potential domino or two away of that not happening the way the way things are trending so robbie how, just how's things been like for you this week in particular man yeah, it's been wild. And I think given the situation of, of, like you explained, of no actual sports being played or, or very few actual sports being played and very few actual sports with local ties that we have to cover right now. So it's really interesting because every day I kind of have to build a a story in place for if there isn't breaking news, this is what we're running today. And mm-hmm. so we've been doing feature stories and 90% of what I do now are, are full length features that, that I really enjoy doing. Um, and it, it's when I got into the business, that's what I wanted to do kind of full time if I could, but obviously that, that's not what the business asks me to do um, with so many sports usually going on. And so the hardest part has been balancing how much work do I put into this feature that might air today Mm-hmm. Uh, when something could pop up and that's given situation like yesterday when the Hawaii High School Athletics Association announces that it's postponing fall sports including football into January and at that time I'm you know eyeball deep into a feature story that I'm working on that takes a lot of time and effort in in the writing and editing and compiling of video and, and then you kind of got to abort that um, and, and, and change your focus and be able to put together a new story and and the hardest part about that is that it's all based on time on what I do right it, it, it I have a three and a half to four minute block 
that I have to fill. And so if at the last minute, the important story changes and I have to now report on something else, well, I have to find a way to make that three and a half to four minutes. And if I don't have an interview to go with it, if it's just me talking the whole time or what, I just got to figure it out. And, and so it's definitely a, a very interesting time because things change on the drop of a dime. But um, with all that being said, um, I'm still fortunate to be doing what I love to do. And, and so you, you'll never hear me complain about uh, how crazy things are right now. It's, you know, it, it is what it is, as uh, Max Holloway would say. And, and let me say, Max Holloway said it first before President Trump. So it is what it is belongs to Max Holloway. Hold on, we're we're only like two or three minutes into this thing, and there's already been a Max Holloway reference. I think the, whoever, <laughs> whatever the over under was, it's, it's been uh, exceeded. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> hey, well, Rob, how crazy? I mean, Wednesday was when the the HHSAA fall sports, particularly football news, broke about that getting pushed back to 2021. I mean, I think we all knew it was maybe coming. Is that fair to say? But um, also, like. What was it like to just report on that story specifically, given all the the wrinkles involved and and the you know the the ripples and repercussions that that are gonna you know be sent out from this point on now? Yeah, you know I, I think it's fair to say that that it seemed to be inevitable, and really for the last maybe month or two, it's kind of just been waiting for this story to drop because you know that given the nature of things and you're looking at the landscape of of sports and of the state of Hawaii and it's kind of just I, I don't know how you are to continue this like how would you get football high school football to be played now I understand collegiately to a degree and I really understand the NFL in regards to there's so much money there that you can afford the proper testing and protocols and bubbles and do all the things you need to do but these are high school students that need to go home you can't just put them in a hotel room for three months and have them play a, a football season. So we all saw it coming. I think the finality of it all mm -hmm. and finally reporting that, hey, this is what it is, people. Uh, you know, there won't be football until at least January. And then immediately hearing the heartbreak of players and parents and community members that, that really look forward to this all year long. And, and you know, a lot of student athletes re have reached out and parents have reached out concerned about what this could mean towards their future players that were on the bubble of trying to earn a scholarship and, and things like that. But, um, and, and so I really feel for, for those people. Um, and I think sometimes it's hard for the people who are really invested to kind of see the bigger picture of, even if you want to argue that, Hey, student athletes are, aren't the most at most at risk in this pandemic you still have to look at the bigger picture of, okay, well, even if that's the way you believe, um, are you going to not have coaches? Are you not going to have officials and referees? Are you not going to have medical trainers who are closer to those people who are at the highest risk of this? Um, and every and, one of those players, by the way, has a family that, that they, they go home, home to, yeah, including absolutely. probably grandparents for a lot of the, the local kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I totally, completely understand the heartbreak and, and just what this means to people. Um, but, you know, you just have to, to, to hope that with this, um, it, it will give our state and the people time to try and, and flatten this and, and try to, to, to stop the spread because, I mean, we're seeing the, the worst number of cases we've seen since this started and um, there's real no in, end in sight. So, 
it, it's easy to to be depressed in a way about the the scope of sports right now. But um, like you know, it, it's a much bigger picture. Sure, Robbie. And you know, fingers crossed they they can you know the the scientists hard at work out there can come up, come up with a vaccine. I mean, I know there's been some promising studies that have been reported, but obviously still a ways off from that you know, coming to reality. Let's pivot real quick to, you know, the college level. I mean, there's still hope. There's a, currently a 10-game University of Hawaii football schedule that's still on the table right now, I believe, starting, is it September 26th? Uh, is yeah. the Against uh, Robert Morris, kind of a fill-in opponent um, for another game that was dropped. The three Pac-12 opponents have already been dropped off the schedule. Uh, what's your thought right now, man, on, you know, there's Mountain West – the players are kind of not, you know, exactly unionizing, but at least getting together and laying out some ground rules that they would like to see. That was kind of today's breaking news, right? We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, what kind of just based on the direction that's been trending, you know, UConn already canceled its entire full season. Um, no power five members have done so yet, but just the way the, the kind of the tea leaves are going, man, what do you think about college football right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, with with the direction of everything and and the trajectory of everything, it's hard to not start to think that there's like, how would you do this? Like, I don't know how this is going to get done. With that being said, I'm surprised that we are sitting here on August 6th talking about the University of Hawaii football team um, as of right now, opening training camp practice tomorrow morning and playing a, <laughs> a football game on September 26th. So, um, you know, I, I've said this from the beginning and I've said this to so many people that I think that college football will be the very last to do anything um, if they do anything at all. And I still feel that way that, you know, there are so many people involved there's so many ramifications to if a college football season doesn't run there's so much money involved that i still to this point believe that college football will be played but i don't know how they do it on september 26th and i don't know how you do it before the new year i think it makes most sense that it will be played in the spring i mean the fcs has already announced that they're they're doing that or most of the fcs i think um by probably next week, all of the FCS will announce that. And then therefore Robert Morris won't be on that September 26th slate against the University of Hawaii. Um, and so it just seems to make the most amount of sense. And, and to this point, I just feel like it's delaying the inevitable. And, and like anything in life, I mean, this procrastination of, you know, if you want a football season to be played, I understand that you don't want to make that call and say that there will be no football played. But what I don't understand is why not push it to later already and say it's going to happen in February or whatever it is, right? Because I don't think there's a scenario that you get to February and you can't play football, but you could have played football in September and October. You know what I mean? Like, Sure, I'm with you. I, I don't think it's going to work that way to where you get to the spring and they're like, okay, we're going to play spring football. Ah, oh, we can't play it, man. We should have played that game in September because then we could have got through the whole season. I, I don't see that scenario. Either we're not going to be, play, be able to play football at all or playing it later gives you the best chance to be playing football. So um, I just don't know what to think at this point and I don't know what's going to happen, but um, 
I, I think it's regardless of if they play in the fall, it will be unprecedented in, in regards to what we will be watching. And if it happens in the spring, then of course it will be unprecedented as well. So just buckle up for something that you've never seen before. That's the only thing I can say. Now, Robbie, if, if they end up somehow pulling it off in the spring at the college level, does that open up a whole nother can of worms about, you know, they're obviously it's the most physical sport there is like they're very regimented like periods of time. Like normally they do have spring football. Um, and then that leads into, you know, summer workouts and leading into the fall, fall camp and all that. Does that screw up potentially, you know, the whole kind of dominoes down the line getting, you know, thinking about the following season and things like that? Absolutely. It does. It does uh, throw a wrench into everything. Uh, with that being said, I can see a spring football season being played. Um, that's conference only, right? Because it, I mean, you look at it at this point that even the Mountain West is only playing two non-conference games and for the University of Whites against an FCS opponent, which I think you and I both feel like the FCS aren't going to be playing in the fall. So you can probably take that out. And then it's against independent New Mexico State where an independent in UConn has already pulled out uh, of their season. And the governor of New Mexico is begging and pleading with New Mexico and New Mexico State to not play their right. season. So right. um, I, I just feel like, you know, e even if they were to attempt to play a fall season, it would be conference only anyway. So if you played it in the spring, then why wouldn't you just have it conference only? You know, that's, that's only eight games that maybe would take you 10 weeks you do a college football playoff because you need the college football playoff money because if the college football playoff and or the NCAA basketball tournament doesn't run in 2021 in, in that quarter, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're looking at heavy ramifications in college athletics that will change college sports forever. So I think those are the two most important things that need to happen in regards to if you can in a safe way. Um, to make just make sure you get those two things done. So I, I think that a shortened spring season allows for the next fall to not be affected, although it's going to be affected in regards to dates and scheduling in regards to how you start that next fall. But I think you can start the fall as if it were a normal season, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh Man, if as you, much as you can, right? <laughs> yeah. And if you're Todd Graham, you just got to be looking around wondering, like, uh, am That's I going to be able to, like, do my job, like, at any point ever? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's The dude has not coached a practice at the University of Hawaii yet. It is, right. I mean, it's bananas. You, you look at, he had his press conference. I mean, uh, a couple of days after the press conference, we did a, a special Bose football final on KHON2 where he had talked about all the things that they're going to be doing, naming the staff and, you know, maybe alternate uniforms with the UH Rainbow that he's excited about because he loves, you know, bringing in tradition and all this stuff. And everyone's excited about, the, you know, what it's going to look like come spring and the fall. And the dude still has not donned a UH polo on a grass practice field yet, which is just incredible to me. Well, uh, right now they have it scheduled for tomorrow morning, right? Uh, the first of those, yeah, and, um, and I know you'll you'll be out there doing your job as, no, as best no, you the can. Media, the, the media is not. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah, so there will be no media uh, for the the UH football practice for the foreseeable future. So if they go tomorrow, and and that's uh, a big if, and that's a big if. Um, then uh, it's, it's going to be handled by the university where they will be providing coverage, like B-roll of players and, 
-hmm. and then uh, we'll be doing Zoom interviews, I, I believe, in regards wow. to how we actually interview these players. And and so, uh, yeah, it will be the first time since I got into this business in uh, whatever, 1864, <laughs> that, uh, that I won't be uh, attending a, a training camp practice. So it's crazy. Well, on that note, Robbie, I'll ask you a more open-ended sports question. I mean, what, what's been the biggest thing you've missed over these last five months in the sports world that's come and gone without happening? Or well, we'll just leave it at that, this, these past five months, you know? Well, uh, you know, my knee-jerk reaction is, is going to sound cliche, but it, it's really my colleagues. It's not being out there with you and running into you doing, doing interviews at the University of Hawaii and seeing Kanoa Leahy at the Stan Sheriff Center calling games, whether it's men's volleyball or baseball or whatever it is at Murakami Stadium. It, it's not seeing Ian Shearing and, and everybody else, Stephen Sai and all these guys that, I mean, really, when you look at it, uh, you know, outside of my family, I've spent more time with the Star Advertiser, Spectrum Sports, Hawaii News Now, KITV reporters than anybody else in my life, really, over the last 20 years, right? And so... I'm sorry, by the way. I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's been heavy, man. That's been, and it's been really uh, tough for me because, you know, uh, as you know, in this business, you make a lot of sacrifices in regards to going out and, you know, because the, the hours are so long and they're so unpredictable that I'm not able to, you know, meet up with the friends at bars and, you know, go to first birthday parties and, and things like that. And so my social um, interaction is, is covering University of Hawaii and, you know, and, and, and Hawaii sports in general with my colleagues. So that's what I miss the most. And, and, and then you look at just some of the, the other things that, uh, that, that I missed out on because of this was, you know, the NFL draft. Uh, that was a trip that I was supposed to be on um, for Tua Tonga Bailoa being selected. And then mm -hmm. I, I, I want to say it was the very next weekend um, or somewhere close to that, Max Holloway was going to be fighting – Alexander Volkanovsky in Australia, which I would have been attending. And then obviously that didn't happen. Um, and so uh, the, I mean, the, just uh, the summer that's full of travel usually for me, um, especially in the month of July because of UFC International Fight Week that I've been going to every year. Um, yeah, those just kind of went by the wayside. And, and then you have to imagine that the men's volleyball team probably would have been in the final four um in the ncaa tournament in virginia so yeah there's just a lot of events that i haven't been able to cover but um to, to answer your question it, it's the the relationships of my colleagues that that i that i kind of miss out on now i mean you and i text each other and and we're a part of a fun group text thread with kanoa and billy uh, B uh billy hall and sam spangler and uh, uh jordan heli pakalani bello um but outside of that i mean that's how we interact now right we I can't imagine that um, we'll be seeing each other in the foreseeable future. So, uh, especially with the way things have been trending in the last just days, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot new lockdowns announced and parks closing and exactly that nature that we've kind of backslid into, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, hey, without very well said, man. I I thought you were going to pick out one or two individual sporting events, but you took it. You went meta, and I I appreciate <laughs> it. I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, Robbie, I think that one thing that's, that's apparent for anyone who's been around you over the course of your, you know, your career as sports director at KHON is kind of your relentless, just enthusiasm and passion for this job. Um, 
and you, you know, you've been at KHON since I, I want to say 2010, uh, 2010 yeah. and, and became sports director, I think pretty soon after that. And, um, you know, you've done things like introduce the, the cover two program for, for high school sports, particularly football. And, and as well as, um, you mentioned the Bose football final podcast that you've started up, you've just done all these different initiatives during your time there that I think underscores your, that passion for the job that I'm talking about. So my, my question for you is like, how do you, where does that come from? Like, how, how did you kind of find that? How do you maintain that temper it and just make it a part of your life as you, as you do this job? You know, it's interesting. It's, it's funny. And this sounds like it's made up because it's really just crazy. Even when I say it out loud, but you know, when I was in first grade, I was at Keolu elementary and just like a, a, a random day at school. And, and I'm sure everybody who's listening has, was asked this question at a young age of what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember this vividly to where, you know, my, my last name is DeMello. So, you know, at that school and, and in that class, you sat in alphabetical order. And so I was supposed to be like fourth or fifth in line to stand up and say what it was that I wanted to be when I grew up and tell people about this profession. And I had gotten into trouble or I had spoke out of turn or whatever it was. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. Um, you know, and, and I got thrown into the back of the line. And so as all my classmates started saying what they wanted to be, and, and I can't remember exactly what I wanted, but I want to say it was going to be like fireman or something like that, a firefighter. And, and then other kids were saying it. And then it got to me, and at the last second, I was like, oh, I don't want to say that. Like, everyone said that. So I told my teacher, I want to be Les Kiter. And wow. because my dad was an avid news watcher, and I loved sports even at that young age. So I would watch the sportscast every single night. And so I told my teacher, I want to be Les Kiter. And so she said, oh, that's a sportscaster. And I was like, oh, okay, I want to be a sportscaster. And literally, that's how this all started. I said it out loud once. I went home. I told my parents I want to be a sportscaster. And I kind of just never let go of that. And so, you know, I was probably, what, six in first grade. And so six became seven and seven became eight. And I'm still telling people I want to be a sportscaster. And then probably around like nine years old, I started writing sports stories every single day in my living room. And I would do sportscasts in front of my family. Again, so I would watch a game on TV or I would talk about my practice, you know, in little league or whatever. And I, and, and that's, I swear to God, that's how it all started. And it just never left me. And so as I got older and older and older, it became more and more important to me and to the point where there's been nothing else in my life that I've ever thought about doing. And so I think to answer your question in regards to where's that passion come from, that's where it comes from is that all those years of, wanting to do something and then when you get to do it um then it's hard to not just put everything you have into it and and just want to do your very best job and to use every day as an opportunity of of like almost expressing that passion and that pride and and gratitude that um you're doing what you want to do all right and it should be noted if uh Little Rob DeMello had not talked out of turn. I'd be speaking to firefighter Rob DeMello yeah, man. on hey, the Court Sense podcast. 
which is way more interesting and, <laughs> and much more commendable than what I do for sure. <laughs> I would have, you know, I, I want to reassure you that no matter what you ended up doing, I, I would have found a way to get you on the pod. <laughs> Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk um, firefighter lingo or something like that. But um, no, so, you know, you, you talked about that kind of upbringing with that mentality that that want to through age nine. But I want to say it was age 15 that you crossed paths with Neil Everett mm -hmm. in high school at, at Kailua. You, what, you were probably in your sophomore year at yeah. Kailua. Yeah. My, uh, can, my, can you just share i know you've told this story before on other yeah. platforms and down you know years past but because it was such like a, a formative thing for you i think it's fair to say like please recount like what happened and, and how you really kind of got the ball rolling there yeah you know it's a long story i'll just uh preface it with that but you know what i was a kid that you know i i didn't get into a lot of trouble in regards to like real trouble um i was energetic and rambunctious, you know, kolohe here in Hawaii. Um, and so I got into a lot of trouble in that way, where I was just a little too excitable and I, I couldn't really keep up with my um, emotions. And, you know, and, and so I would just do whatever. And, and so I, I struggled in school because I, I couldn't focus. I was ADHD, um, super hyperactive. And so I loved school and I loved learning, and, but I struggled. And so uh, seventh, eighth, ninth and 10th grade, I failed every single year and I had to go to summer school in order to get to the next grade. And it was wow. usually math. Um, I really struggled in math. And, and that's what was so funny with a lot of my teachers where they just couldn't understand because I don't think I've ever not gotten an A in writing or English or history, but I would continuously get Fs in math and science. It just, I couldn't do it. Like I just had a really, really hard time. And so all through this, you know, I still had this dream of being a sportscaster. Um, but, you know, reality was setting in as I got older. And I was like, man, how am I going to go to college when I can't even pass each grade? And so I had this friend, Nathaniel Conley, who was a couple of years older than me at Kailua High School. Um, uh, he was a good friend of my friend, Stephen. Or excuse me, he was the bigger brother of my good friend, Stephen. That's how I knew Nathaniel. And so we were friends and he had graduated two years earlier. So when I was a sophomore, he was a senior. He was really into journalism. I was already writing for the Kailua High School newspaper at the time. And, and so when he graduated, the surf rider, by the way, yeah, the surf rider, um, when he graduated, his parents got him as a graduation gift. They wanted an auction, meet the KGMB crew behind the scenes because he was going to Bradley University in journalism. And so they gave him this gift and he was really interested in talking to a fellow journalist. And so he had called the, the people who were in charge of this, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, what would it be called? Like a tour uh, of KGMB and uh -huh. asked if he could bring along a friend of his. And so, and they said, yes. Yeah. So he called me and said, Hey, I'm doing this thing at KGMB. You know, you get to go, check out you know, tour the station, hang out with them, go out to dinner with them. And I want you to come because I know you're super interested in this stuff. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm there. Thank you. And so we went and Kim Janala was the host. She was the weather anchor at the time. And so she's the one that gave us the tour of the station. We sat in, watched them do the newscast. And then we went out to dinner and it was at dinner. 
Kim Janala asked the question that my first grade teacher asked her, hey, what do you want to do when you get older? And I said, oh, I'm, I want to be a sportscaster. And, and so she, out of the goodness of her heart, and I, I, I mean, I, I thank her every single day if I could. Um, she told me, she said, you know, um, yeah, that, that's great. I, I think you could be a sportscaster. She's like, I, I've known you for an hour and a half. And I think that you can do this. Like, you're perfect for this. And then I told her, I was like, yeah, but, you know, I don't think I'm going to go to college because I'm not a very good student. And so she said, you know, don't you ever say that. Don't sell yourself short. And, and so she had asked, like, you know, do you know Neil Everett? Do you follow Neil Everett? And I said, yeah, he's my favorite sportscaster. I watch him every night. And so she said, uh, well, if if I talk to him and he says that you could come again another day and maybe just hang out with him, do you think that's something that you'd be into and you'd enjoy? And I said, oh, absolutely. That would be great. And so sure enough, she took my information. I think at the time it was like a pager. <laughs> and <laughs> And uh, she got back to me the very next day. And I remember her calling me and saying, like, hey, I talked to Neil. Neil said, if this is really important to you, that you would call him and ask yourself, but he's happy to, to help you. And so I was like, just mind blown. I'm just, holy smokes, like, what's going on? Like, th is this for real? Like, I'm going to go hang out with Neil Everett. And so I called Neil and I was super nervous. And Mr. Everett, uh, this is Robbie DeMello from kind of high school. Kim Janala told me to call you. And and so he had told me, like, yeah, you know, tomorrow, why don't you come down, meet me at the station? And so I was in summer school. So this was after my sophomore year was completed. I was in summer school trying to get to my junior year. And so when summer school got out, I jumped on the city bus, went down to KGMB, which was on Kapiolani Boulevard at the time, and met Neil for the first time and spent the whole day, the rest of the night with him. And I watched him do all of his newscasts. I watched him write everything. And, and we just talked the whole time. And at the end of the night, um, he told me, he said, hey, you know, I, I, I think that you're a great kid. And, and I think you have a bright future. And if you want to come back again next week, you're more than welcome to. But you have to improve your grades. And when school starts up again in the fall, I want you turning your grades into me. And if your grades improve and continue to improve and you keep them up, then you can come back every weekend or every week until you don't want to come anymore. And that's how it all started, man. Um, and I had a 1.4 grade point average that sophomore year. I, I got through summer school. I started it in the fall as a junior and I would turn in my grades to Neil. I think it was like every month, maybe so every four weeks, mm -hmm. and my grades skyrocketed, man. And and I, I want to say my senior year, I think I ended my my senior year with my grades being between three point eight and four point oh, and I got a full ride to Hawaii Pacific University on an academic scholarship, <laughs> and uh, and right when I went to college at HPU is when Neil left for ESPN. It was around that same year in 2000. Um, and yeah, man. And then from there, it, it was, I was going to HPU and it was in my second semester at HPU. A job opened up at KITV at the time. It was Robert Kikaula and Kanoa Leahy there. Robert was a sports director, Kanoa's weekends and a job opening for the, a, a, a number three open. And it was because Dan Meisenzal was actually weekend. He had left for news, I think. And so Kanoa became the weekend anchor. Mm -hmm. And so 
I didn't apply for the job or anything. I literally ran into Robert Kikaula at Proveridge Mall. And I had known Robert through being Neo's intern for however many years. And, uh, and Robert was like, hey, dude, we're, we're about to post this job. Um, I was going to reach out to you and see if you wanted it. And if you want it, it's yours. And so I was just like, yeah. And so. By the way, how many, how many years were you like Neil's intern over there at KGM? Uh, I want to say four years because I, okay. I, I was 19 when I started at KITV. And so I was 15 when I met Neil. So about four years. And it just and, kind of it, it like materialized organically out of that, that thing you mentioned, like, show me your grades. You can. Yeah. You can come next week, and if it keeps improving, you can just keep showing up next week, and that became the internship. Yeah, and there was never a yeah. I never signed any papers. There was never no official <laughs> intern status or anything. It was just I was just this kid that it started once a week, and then it became twice a week, and then I want to say, you know, by the time I was a senior, I stopped playing sports because I was so committed to all of this, um, and I was going there I think three times a week because I'd go on Tuesdays Thursdays and then I would spend Saturdays with Liz Chun uh and so yeah like it was almost like a job you know and then I it, it was it was super important to me and then the great thing about Neil too is and he and I talk about this all the time I don't think he ever taught me anything like I don't think there was ever <laughs> anything that he said this is how you do this right the way he taught me was he just told me to watch him and then I'd watch him do write a story or whatever. And then he'd be like, okay, now you do it. But I don't want it to look anything like mine. And so I would just redo everything he did, but I had to find my own style and mm-hmm. find my own way of doing it. And, and yeah. And then it's funny because I don't ever remember him taking any of the things. It was kind of just like, he would watch it and just be like, oh, okay, cool. And, now do this. And, and so it was really interesting how, how it all worked out where I can't remember there ever being like a lesson that he taught me. It was kind of more just be around the business and let soak it in and, and become your own person. Right. Gotcha. Is it coincidence that, you know, Neil Everett, a guy you still keep in touch with, you know, he, he had his catchphrase has, I should say on it, like, how's it like every sports cast that he does, a sports center cast, yours is how's it going everybody like is that you kind of giving him like a shout out every time you do it like was that purposeful or is that did it just coincidentally just kind of come out that way it's it's i'm thrilled that you're asking this and it's really interesting because nobody has ever asked me this and it's actually yes it's very much strategic and it's something i thought about before the first time i ever appeared on tv the first time i ever did a sports cast and I'm actually saying something or paying respects to two people when I do every sports cast and it's Neil Everett and Kanoa Leahy. Neil says, how's it? And Kanoa says, how you doing everybody? Let's mm-hmm. talk sports. And so I took the, how you doing everybody? And Neil's how's it? And said, how's it going everybody? And, um, and it was funny because I didn't plan plan it to the point where like I was thinking about it for years and was like, Oh yeah, when I do this, um, it was literally the, the very first time I ever anchored at KITV, I was just going to say, welcome back. And in the prompter, it was welcome back. And it was, I was sitting there in the commercial break 
and I was, you know, nervous and, and about to go. And then I just thought of Neil and I thought of Kanoa because those are two people that really, really helped me get to where I was at that moment and got me to where I am today. And to this point or to this day still are two of my biggest inspirations. Um, and so I was thinking about them and I thought of Neil and I thought of Kanoa and then it just kind of organically happened in that commercial break before I was about to pop on and, and I just put the two together and then I popped up on camera and said, how's it going everybody? And I just never stopped doing it and I'll never stop doing it, you know? And, and um, I don't know if I ever told Neil and Kanoa, I, I think I did maybe after you're very, you know, when it, maybe after that first sports cast, but it's been so long that I, you know, I've never brought it up again. And so I, I, I'm interested to, to know, I wonder if they remember that or even if we did ever talk about that. Um, because uh, yeah, those two guys, man, uh, like, you know, I, I talked about Neil and, and everything he meant to me and, and um, everything he did for me, but you know, Kanoa, when I started at KITV, you know, he was the weekend guy. I was the third guy. And so by nature, we did a lot together. We spent a lot of time together. And um, just by the way that that schedule worked with the sports director, weekend guy, and the number three guy. And so I learned a ton from Kanoa. And that's a guy that did kind of say, hey, do this, do that, do that. Um, or, hey, you know, maybe you should do this next time. And so um, I, I think taking everything that Neil taught me, you know, and everything that Kanoa taught me and both in very different ways um, made me who I am today and not just a sportscaster, like a, like a man, like Neil has a, <laughs> Neil has this phrase where um, he'd always say, just be a dude. And that was his way of saying, be a good person, you know, like just be a dude. And so um, I think that both of those guys kind of live by that code of being a dude and so I owe so much to them I love them with all my heart and um and you know it's funny it's Neil I look at Neil as like a second dad just because of the age difference and um and you know the when I met him at such a young age and all that and then I look at Kanoa like a big brother you know and I don't have a big brother um but if I did it would be Kanoa Leahy that's for sure nice nice hey man I, I gotta ask you about one thing I think you've left your mark on in this business and it's become a part of our business, you know, as well as just mainstream society, it's social media. And I think you've become kind of like the premier purveyor of sports news on social media in our state, in our community. I think, you know, that's something I've observed. I don't think I'm alone. You do that to an extent, to a level that no one else has replicated. And I wanted to ask you, are you cognizant of that? Like, what's your kind of your, you know, how do you put yourself through your paces as far as I got to get this out on social media? I got, you know, Twitter, Instagram are probably the two main platforms for that. Facebook, maybe to an extent as well. Like, how important is that? You know, the, the, obviously you want to be first and that's a tool to get your information out first, but you want to be right. More importantly, perhaps what's kind of your philosophy on on using social media the correct way and to an extent that you've been able to do yeah you know it, you know the first things first is absolutely getting it right is way more important than getting it first to me and 
and you know, and maybe that's something that you may have noticed too, to where like, I'm, I'm not that guy that like needs to rush and put it on just to put it on. I'll, I'll put it on as a product, as a finished product. Right. And so, um, that's always been super important to me. And, and in regards to, to social media, it's just one of those things that is just evolution. It's just evolving with the business. You know, I, when I first got into the business, um, I, I knew how important it was going to be long-term to concentrate on local sports coverage. And, and not to say that anyone before wasn't doing great local sports coverage, but it was always trying to find that balance, right. Of like, what are people talking about? And then what's going on locally. And so the sports cast in the past, you know, would be the, Hey, this is UH football. This is what's going on. But Derek Jeter hit this three run home run or, you know, uh, Alex Rodriguez is chasing this home run record or, or whatever it is, right? Like Shaquille O'Neal did this. And that's because that's what people are talking about. And there is, and that's important to, to be able to give people what they want. But I always felt, and when I finally had a chance to start making my own decisions on what's being covered, and that was when I became the weekend anchor at KITV was to just only cover Hawaii sports. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a Hawaii tie to cover a national story, then do it. But really, the way this business was going at that time, they had just launched, uh, what was that called? CNNSI, which was a 24-hour sports network. You had ESPN News, which is 24 hours. You had ESPN, you had all these things. And then social media was starting up with MySpace and Facebook and, um, you know, and then just the internet in general. And so it was easy for me to see that, you know, people can get all this national coverage from anywhere, from so many different places and whenever they want. What can we do that forces them to watch us or read us or go to our page or whatever it is? And that's to provide the best Hawaii sports coverage possible. And, and so that's how it all started. And so with social media, it's the same thing. It's, there wasn't, there was, great stories being told on television in the newspaper and you know but there was a time a few years ago where those stories weren't then being posted online or uh, on a social media platform and so i just knew it was important that hey not everyone is going to be watching my sportscast and um i want to be able to give people a chance to see these stories that i've worked so hard on and and these stories that i feel are important because they're snapshots of what's going on in the state of Hawaii. My philosophy has always been that if you're doing sports coverage the right way and you're doing it locally and, you know, that's Hawaii based, then it's no longer a sports story. It's a current event story in Hawaii, right? Uh, you know, a Max Holloway or Marcus Mariota or Tua Tonga Bailoa story, those aren't sports stories. Those are Hawaii stories. And my, my mom and my uncles and aunties and grandma and grandpa, you know, those people who don't really care about sports all that much, they care about Max Holloway. They care about Marcus Mariota. And so that's where I kind of feel like if you're able to just put this Hawaii content out, then the more people will see it then the more people will become interested. And then really more people will see the other platforms too, because I'm not a guy that's like, Hey, I only want you reading my stuff or seeing my story. I want you to just fall in love with Hawaii sports so that you go to the star advertiser website because the more people go into the star advertiser website to read a sports story, the more likely they are to one day read one of my stories or watch one of my stories. The more people go into 
Boring Live or H&N or Hawaii Prep World or whatever, the more people we can get that just care about Hawaii sports, then the more people there are to be able to enjoy the content that I'm putting out. So that's kind of where it all stems from. And there's no real strategy of, okay, make sure I do this. I mean, it's really just everything that I do, everything that I'm covering, I make sure that I put on these different platforms, understanding that not everyone has the time or, you know, even at this point has cable to sit and watch my sportscast. So how can I make sure that more people are able to see this? And that's pretty much what it's all about. Okay. Yeah. And follow up to that, Robbie, you know, we, I mean, we've seen it with the, the way that kids and children are like so much of their life is dominated by social media. Now, like th their existence is online in a way that yours and mine never was when we were growing up. Right. Yeah. Um, so my question, my follow up question for you is given how just the level that everyone is intertwined with each other and that pertains to the media as well as the people, you know, that they cover the athletes, the coaches, what have you, like how close we are, how interconnected, easy to reach out, how challenging or what do you think, I guess, is are the, are the pitfalls or rewards of having that level of potential 24 seven access to these people that you are covering? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It's, I mean, in one way it's, it's uh it's harder to tell unique stories and you know and at the end of the day you as a writer me as a sportscaster like we're storytellers at the end of the day right and it, a lot of people don't see it that way especially you know in a normal time where i'm doing a a recap of a uh baseball game you know on a sunday afternoon against uc irvine you know people just see it as like oh he's just doing the highlights and he's showing the score and talk to some guys or whatever but the way i see it is it's i'm being a storyteller i'm telling you the who what when where why and you know and how this impacts you and and why this is important and all that and so with social media because the athletes and because um fans and everyone has an opportunity in this platform to to put stories out there in a way right or put angles out there that it's harder to tell someone a story for the first time and that was kind of the beautiful thing about this job before uh many years ago before social media was you kind of felt like you you were always dropping this knowledge right of just like something that people didn't know and so people could read and be like oh wow this is incredible and that becomes harder and harder to do because all it takes is one little picture of you know someone um, at a basketball camp or whatever, like, uh, I don't know why this popped in my head, but let's just say Patty Mills is in town, right? A friend of Iran Ganat. And in the past, uh, that might be something that Patty Mills showed up the training camp to surprise the UH basketball players. Uh, you and I are there. We tell our story and it's like, oh, wow, Patty was there. But then by the time we tell our story now, because of social media, we've already seen 40 pictures of Patty Mills. We've already you know, seeing him tweet that, Hey, I'm, I'm at UH basketball camp. And so kind of like that, that surprise factor is gone. Uh, when you finally do tell that Patty Mills story. Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of been a hard part. And, and the other hard part is, is just for the student athletes specifically. And I think you mentioned that, um, it's just, it, it's tough, man, to, to be in the spotlight. I couldn't imagine if at 15 years old, I had an opportunity to not only interact with people 
at my school, but at other schools and around the world at the drop of a dime, like whenever I wanted. Uh, I mean, that's just a lot of pressure um, for a young person. And, and, you know, I'm, it's funny that social media is so much a part of my career and a part of my livelihood. Um, but I often think that if it wasn't for this job, I don't know if I'd be on social media just because of the anxiety that it gives me. And, and not even the anxiety for me, it's like, I see people post things or I see people say things. And then it, it gives me anxiety knowing that like, Oh, you're going to regret that one day or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so, um, it's tough. It's, I use social media and you know, this, I, I have two accounts for everything. And one is a personal account that, you know, I'm, I, I just befriend friends and family. And, and then my other one is the work one where it's like, Hey, this is all the work content that I'm working on. And, my way of keeping up with things. Um, and you know, that I use social media as allowing people to see my kids grow up because like I had mentioned, my lifestyle and my work schedule doesn't allow me to see people as much as I'd like. And so I post a lot of pictures of my kids so that people can see like, Hey, this is what they're doing. And this is um, how they're growing up. And then I use it as a way to keep up with my friends, kids and my friends lives of, Oh, this is what they're doing. And this is, Oh, wow. You know, that, daughter of his is 13 years old oh my goodness you know and and so um i've kind of stopped using social media for anything else i use it for work i put my stuff out there and then i post my pictures of my kids in my personal account and i look at my friends kids and all that but i stop commenting on things i stop reading politics i stop searching for how people feel about events uh because uh it it's it can be uh can be a rabbit hole that you regret time and time again no man when i was on the basketball beat for the newspaper at first my personal policy was like not to you know say for facebook not to friend the student athletes that i would be covering like i wanted to keep like a certain level of di uh, distance like journalistically mm -hmm. but over time you know like as the the access like you know everyone follows everyone on on twitter instagram whatever it gets more and more intertwined for, for you know lack of a better word like it, you just kind of like some of those fall by the wayside like and you still do the best you can to check yourself journalistically like what's newsworthy what's not you know where where might something be an innocent mistake versus something that should be reported on like mm -hmm. it, it, it's it gets tricky man and i, I don't yeah. envy the people like yourself who are still in that in that uh in that field but all right robbie well i'll i'll take the conversation one more direction before i cut you loose and i wanted to ask you about you know some of the the all-time your all-time your mount rushmore if you will things you've gotten to cover probably like work trip variety i'm thinking you know we got to share that memorable uh basketball 2016 postseason run mm -hmm. that through the big west tournament to the ncaa in spokane that was unforgettable I'll, I'll never you know that will go down as one of the best things i ever got to do on this job i think maybe that's the case for you as well just based on some of those moments we shared up there those weeks. But because you're a guy, you know, I've known for a while, we, we did cross paths in high school, had some mutual friends, uh, shout out Ian Taylor, Ian uh, Taylor, Big e. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just want to want to know like some of the, the life experiences that, that you've kind of kind of treasure the most uh, on this job in, in this position as sports caster, sports director. What, what kind of stands out, man? 
Yeah, uh, you know, right off the bat, uh, you mentioned it, the 2016 Big West Conference Championship Tournament, which led to the NCAA Tournament. Uh, I think we were up there for, what, three weeks together? Or Just two about weeks? two, two uh, to three sorry, weeks. Yeah, it would have yeah. been over two weeks, yeah. So about three weeks and going from Anaheim to Spokane, Washington, and being a half away from then going to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but, but the Bows lost uh, to, to Maryland there in that second half of that game. But um, that, that's, that's probably number one on the list. And, and a lot of the reason for that is you and Derek Inouchi, the sports information director at UH. And, you know, we spend a lot of time together because we're all grinding and doing our own thing, but at night, none of us had eaten. And so we would get, you know, go, go and grab dinner. We, um, I think about these, it, it's funny, these walks in Spokane that we would have in the morning that are just like, I wish I was with my wife because they're just such gorgeous walks on these bridges and these waterfalls and all that. And I remember us joking around and taking pictures and, and, um, but that's definitely up there as one of my most memorable things that I got to do in this job. Um, Marcus Mariota's Heisman Trophy ceremony um, is up there in 2014. Being able to be a part of that, able to be there and witness that was awesome. Something I'll never forget. And, um, you know, and just a couple of years later, being able to to uh, be there for Tua Tonga-Vailoa's runner-up finish in the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And even though he didn't win it, that was still a magical experience as well over there in New York City. Um, Tua making his collegiate commitment to Alabama um, on set at KH12 was really cool to be a part of. And and then there's been a bunch of fun trips. I mean, a lot of UFC trips, you know, covering uh, Hawaii fighters and uh, Max Holloway specifically and, and being able to have exclusive interviews with Dana White on a couple of occasions at a time that the UFC Hawaii train was really powering uh, ahead and it looked like it was something that was going to happen. And to be able to get those updates from him w was really awesome. And uh, I can't even remember some of the trips I've been on. I mean, Toronto covering Chad Owens, winning the Canadian football league's most valuable player and going to Miami, Florida for Manti Teo's national championship game. Uh, I mean, there's just so many. And, but one thing that I got to mention and it's really interesting because I wasn't there, but being able to cover it was the 2007 University of Hawaii football season. Mm -hmm. And this is the funny thing that, you know, being the weekend sports anchor at KITV at the time, people find this crazy. But I had never watched Colt Brennan, Devon Best, Ryan Grice Mullins, all those guys. I've never seen them play in person because I was the weekend anchor at KITV. Oh. And so I would have to be at the station covering those games for the newscast. And I was oh, working wow. with Robert T. Powell at the time, who was the radio play-by-play -play guy or color guy. And so I had never been to a UH football game through that era. That's because amazing. I, yeah. And, but I'll say this, that in 2007, uh, you know, uh, my best friend through my childhood and growing up, Sione Tamale had passed away in 07 in a car accident and we went to high school together with Sione and he was my best friend and we were 25 years old at the time when he passed and he had passed in March of that 2007 year and so the 2007 UH football season was that first season after his passing and and Sione was a huge UH football fan I mean so big that um, I would get him tickets to those games you know in 2004, 5, 6 and he would go 
um, to those games. And, and we spent a lot of time together just talking UH football. And so I remember vividly in 2007, UH beats Washington. And I do the highlights of that game, uh, which sends them to, to the Sugar Bowl. And so, I mean, I'm riding a high of just, you know, this energy of Hawaii won this game and they're going to go to the BCS. And, and so the newscast is over. And I was anchored with Joe Kuramoto at the time. She was the news anchor. And we sign off from the 10 o'clock news. I just did my, my sports cast and, and all that. And then I just broke down. And I just started crying. Because I started thinking about Sione and how badly he would want to have seen that because he was the hugest UH football fan. I mean, the hugest. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, my God, like he had just passed away. And then they're going to the Sugar Bowl. Like He would never believe this. And I just started crying like a baby. And I remember Jill turning to me and saying, wow, like you're, you're really emotional about this. And, you know, and, and I, I explained to her like, well, I mean, yeah, this was great to see, but it's, you know, this is why I'm so emotional. And I, you know, and I reminded her about Sione and, and so it's funny. I think about that time a lot and, and I don't know why that is, why specifically that night, because then, you know, there were so many great moments and, you know, Cole went to the Heisman and then they went to the Sugar Bowl, but it, it was that night sitting on the KITV4 anchor desk with my head in my hands, crying like a baby is probably the most memorable thing I'll ever have in my career. Like, I mean, all the cool things I get to be a part of. Um, and, and like I said, it's weird because I wasn't really a part of that. <laughs> you know, like it was just me from afar telling people what happened. Um, but that's number one on my list, I think, of just the unforgettable moment of being a sportscaster in the state of Hawaii was was that moment. Well, man. Yeah. Well said. Thank you for, for sharing that. I, I didn't, I, I knew of your friend, Siona, you know, being a Kailua guy, I, I didn't know like that backstory to that. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, Robbie, thanks so much for, for coming on the court sense podcast. You've been a great guest. Uh, like I said, it's been an honor to catch up with you and have you share some stories of your coming up in, in this local sports media realm and how you've kind of made it your own. So I appreciate it a lot, man. Hey, I appreciate you, man. And, and you know this, like, we, like you said, we know known each other for a really long time. I love you with all my heart. You're one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that read your stuff and they listen to your podcast and they admire you as the, the sports reporter that you are. But let me tell you, if you've never met Brian McInnes, you are missing out on just one of the most genuine <laughs> and nicest dudes ever. And so it's been a ah, pleasure to it. talk to you on here. And uh, I can't wait till things get back to some form of normal and we can hang out again. Um, love you, brother. Hey, Robbie D. Thanks, man. Uh, coming from the you, that means a lot. And I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. What can I say? But uh, <laughs> I hey, say, I say it looks like you're turning red, but you can't always look. I, that's it's the baseline, <laughs> you know, so. All right, Robbie D. Take care, man. Hello, brother.